0: Love, talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Monergy Life. This is Robert Fisher, your host. Mitchell, are you there? Hello. Uh, well, my guest tonight is Mitchell Beattie, and while waiting for him to call in, I thought that you had already called in. Hello, Mitchell. Uh, well... Um we're waiting for Mitchell to call in. Mitchell is a renowned consultant, thought leader and proponent of the aha moment to enhance performance in the dynamic business and social world of 2018. And while we're waiting for Mitchell to call in, uh, let me just say that it's a pleasure to have him on the show. And I'm looking forward to learning about his ideas on being a thought leader what does that really mean in today's business and social environment? And how can we enhance productivity and personal satisfaction? Um, Let me just see technically. Okay. Um, hmm. For some reason, I'm trying to get Mitchell on the air and it doesn't seem to be operating correctly here. Um, let's see. Well, let's hopefully he will try and call in again in a moment. So Mitchell uh, is a proponent of the aha moment, and for many of our listeners, we've all had aha moments in our life, and it's really a question of uh, what what is something that's going to trigger us to really have an awakening and a epiphany, if you will. Uh, to really change the course of our life in the business and in the personal realm. Um, hopefully, uh, here we go. Hold on, Mitchell, is that you? Uh,
1: certainly is. Hey, Robert, you gotta. I was sitting there ten minutes before the show started. You have to unmute the guest. Yeah, you know, I'm here. Right. Happy to I, talk to you. Uh,
0: yeah, the thing is, I can't really bring you on until the show starts. I try to. So I saw that you were waiting. But any event, you're here. Welcome to Monetary Life. How are you this evening?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. <laughs> how about you?
0: I'm doing awesome, too. And I was just telling our listeners a little bit about you while we were overcoming these technical difficulties. Um, how did you become the aha guy? How did you get to that point? Uh,
1: you know, I, guess I don't think one starts off that way and i I have always been a good person to to speak let's just say although I don't speak anything but English, I speak finance, I speak marketing, I speak sales, I speak management and so I've always been the the connector helping other people see things that may not have been obvious to them because of their point of view and I was uh For a long time, I was in corporate world, left in 97, been a consultant and publisher since 1997, and I became, at one point in time, a thought leader architect, and that's helping companies figure out how to navigate the waters of the Internet and social media and what happens. And for three years of having that title, although I had good business, I didn't have a lot of -of word-of-mouth marketing. And, and and one of my friends who, who I had been uh who I meet, you know, I don't know about you guys, but if you go to a bunch of conferences, you end up running to the same people over and over. So this guy I ran into and I met him at a conference and he goes, Mitchell, Yaha guy. I'm like, Okay, that's interesting. And 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 then a year later I saw him again and, and I go I go, you know, and I say, Hey, let's 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 grab a beer and we we talked. And he goes I go, you know, what's really interesting is I I'm doing great work, but I'm not getting the referrals I need to regret. Even people who are good friends of mine that would want to work with me, they don't remember to, to refer me. And he goes, well, Mitchell, I don't think anyone in the world knows what the word thought leader architect is. He goes, but you're the aha guy. I, I mentioned that to you a year ago. I think that's what you should call yourself. And I, I kind of thought about it. And although I waited a year, I decided you're right. And that's uh, – so my job – uh, when I see it is when I talk to people is how to get them to have that aha moment multiple times, how to think about the world differently. Mm-hmm.
0: So in other words, you help facilitate them gaining some type of epiphany in their business or personal life. Yes. Right. So what do you think of the <laughs> most?
1: I uh, mean, okay. okay. Uh, I can add more to that, but yes, sounded like a good response to that question. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, feel free to add something to it. I was just, I, you know, for our listeners, I wanted to, do, you know, to sort of elucidate that because, you know, an epiphany is something that we all seek in various times. And, you know, I find in my own personal experience, it comes at the most unexpected moments, very often from the most unexpected sources as well.
1: Ah, so let me add to that. So I, I kind of, I, in, in the old days, let's say 10 plus years ago when, I didn't call it an aha, I, just, I called it an epiphany or I called it a, the light bulb moment. I was thinking that, hey, we get one of those every couple months or maybe every year or so. And I've now changed my opinion. We have aha moments multiple times every day. And what happens is we kind of turn the light bulb off. We kind of, we get in this routine and we're not listening and one of the things for those that, that, are, that are intrigued, I, I actually did a TED Talk. And that TED Talk is covering the transition that we're making as a human species from the Industrial Age society to the Social Age. And, and what I'd like to say, for those that are interested, you can just Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk and pick it up on YouTube. And what's interesting is in 1920, we were able to buy any car we want in any color we wanted as long as it was a Ford Model T and it was black. Right. And our, our educational system, our financial system, our corporate system, our infrastructure is still a direct outcome of us moving into and being part of that, that, that age that was part of 1920. And between 1920 and 2020 – A hundred years later, we're only fifty percent in the middle of the transformation between the industrial society and the social age. So that's what the TED Talk talks about: is how do we move to the right direction? And I think the answer is, what's happening is everyone who wants to has a camera or microphone and has the opportunity to communicate. And if we just listen to those around us, we can have multiple aha moments and make that transition in a way that will make us happy and satisfied versus uh, there are many people who have not been successful at transitioning to what this new age is going to become.
0: Right. Right. So do you think that that's the main challenge that people face today is to transition to this new age, sort of moving away from the old industrial age and all the values that were incorporated in that?
1: Well, so that's a huge mega trend. You know, and and so at a a big high level, what's happening is how we interact with each other as humans, how we do business is transforming. So that's the big that's a big thing. And what's not happening is you look to our educational system, it has not changed. So it's still the old school uh, beat you up, take the tests you there 's one and only one right answer you got to memorize stuff that is only a google stroke away so we 're not teaching our younger kids and younger generation how to move how to transition and uh-huh. at the same time, we now have all this technology you know there 's no need for somebody who 's a typist anymore right we don 't even have typewriters there's there 's all this technology that 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 is continually transition and so what happens is uh, think about what will happen five or ten years from now when there really is a need for taxi drivers truck drivers uber drivers uh, limo drivers where you know it's autonomous vehicles now whether it's five or ten years from now or 20 years from now there's a point in time where the need for human driver disappears well what happens to everyone who's making a living at that today we're not the our governments. There are no governments in the world that are really helping transition society. And so the interesting part is how do you transition? How do you change, right? If, if you're selling stuff from a corner store, just because Amazon here doesn't mean you disappear, but do you have a store front also on Amazon? I mean, if you have a physical store, you should also have an online store only because if people are buying stuff there, you need to be there. And And so it's, The the answer to your question is, yes, that's a big question. There's a big issue. But when it comes to each individual, it's what's happening in your industry? What do you like doing? How's it changing? And if your response is, it's not changing, you're not looking at the right industry.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, the only thing that I would add to that, I, I don't disagree with what you said, but I think there are other things going on, too, which confound people and overwhelm them, such as, the abundance of information that people are expected to process every day. You know, you mentioned that there are all these people, and now people have an individual voice, and you all you have to do is listen. The problem is, how do you discern which voices are telling you something that are, is either truthful or can be helpful to you in your life? That's number one. And number two, I think that we're seeing a huge schism between Um, school knowledge, you know, knowledge that you could get even by going to the, you know, the best Ivy League schools in this country, and wisdom. You know, wisdom, which is available to everybody, but not, you know, not schooling going to an Ivy League school. That's only available to a select few. And, you know, if you look at traditional indigenous societies, and if you've ever, you know, read about that or gone to these countries where they still exist, You know, you could experience a kind of wisdom that's intuitive, and I think that that's another thing going on that people are turning on to. And, you know, trusting the knowledge that you gain, even at the most prestigious schools, can be really dangerous in today's world because it can be really out of touch.
1: So I'm going to say to those two points, aha, and and summarize. We should not be teaching our kids – how to memorize a set of facts and repeat them on a test and get a grade from uh, A to A to E as a result of that. What we should be teaching right. today's society, today's children, is one, how to ask the right question, and two, this goes to your point one, how to interpret the results you receive. Right? Because we are inundated now with great content. So what do we listen to and what do we don't? And how do we listen?
0: Well I would you know, I think that those two things are really important. I would make I would add a number three, which would be how to be a real human being and treat everyone with respect. Because I think that as long as uh. that's missing Right. As long as that's missing in people's um priorities uh, in their everyday interaction, the world is going to be, is going to continue to be as brutal as it is to most people. Once you can change and shift, and in in a sense, I'm sort of pointing to another change that's going on to add to the list of changes that people have to accommodate, which is, I think there's there's really a, a change going on in the world, all over the world, moving from you know, just making decisions based on your, um, your mind and moving to a heart-centered existence. And that's going on all over the world. You know, there's still a lot of examples of tremendous brutality of human against human, but there's also so many examples of people that are moving away from that dynamic. And, and you know, and I would suggest that unless people really move away from that dynamic, their lives are going to be miserable in this world.
1: So I would recommend for those that – it sounds like you had not watched my TED Talk yet. So that's what I wholeheartedly agree with number three, uh, because what I say largely in the TED Talk is we do business. If you want to be successful tomorrow, it's exactly what you said. We do business with those we know, like, and trust. And so I was just basically trying to simplify the heart-centered world because people don't think about this frou-frou stuff very well. And, and largely say, we do business with those we know, like, and trust. So how do you increase your sphere of people who know you? And then when you interact with people, it is important that you garner, that, that you're a likable person and that you're a trusted person. Because if you're not, in the old days, maybe you'd get away with it. But in today's world, there's some Yelp score somewhere keeping track of you, and it will any bad things you do will catch up
0: with you. Well, I think that's an unfortunate byproduct of uh, social media and people's addiction to it, that, you know, everything is documented for all the world to see. And, you know, human frailty, you know, the the, the range of human behavior, which everyone really has the capacity to experience, you know. Uh, You know, I don't think there's any such thing as a good or a bad person. I think everyone has the possibility, depending on how they're provoked, to behave in a positive way or in a negative way, you know. So I, I, I really feel that with what's going on in the world today, people are so, you know, critical of. of you know, somebody can make one comment on Twitter, and the whole world could come crashing down on them. And I think that's really unfortunate, you know, that we live well, in a society. It, it, I, I,
1: I hear, I hear you, but I'll, what I'll go back to say is some of those comments that are made. So how about the the guy from Disney who made these who who made these most amazing movies who basically 4 or 5 years ago started tweeting off-color jokes. So his mom probably told him when he was growing up, "Hey, if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all." And yeah, unfortunately it caught up to him but the real question is should he have been saying that on a public forum in the first place? Right. So, so I, 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 I don't necessarily disagree, but I, I'm just thinking you gotta be when the world, when individuals, when everyone is their own reporter, right? In the old days we had reporters, we had newspapers and that's it. Now with a cell phone, every human being is their own reporter. So the question is if you're not going to say something nice, goes back to being a nice person, maybe you shouldn't say it. Well, That would make for a better.
0: Think, you know, I think the example of that guy, and I'm not really familiar with what he said. I didn't really follow that particular issue. Uh, I, I wasn't really talking about somebody, you know, making an off-color joke on Twitter. Um, I was talking more about somebody holding a view on something that maybe doesn't fit in with someone else's agenda. And that agenda could be on the left or the right. You know, people could be extremely critical of that. And I I, I really mm. think it
1: should
0: you know, well, I, I really here's, think here's, my,
1: here's I, I have a strong opinion on this.
0: Yeah, go it's, ahead.
1: If you ask me if you ask me about politics, I have a really strong opinion about politics, but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. talk about politics on the air because that's not my brand. Right. So well, here's what's really, interesting. I'm not
0: really veering it's, into it's, a, a political thought. I'm just saying no, that... No, it, no, it's, no, it's no, I, no, no. I
1: hear you. I, let me turn it around. Let me, don't, give me a second. Let me turn it around to something interesting. And sure. that is, to me, what's interesting is because everyone has a microphone, because everyone has a camera, you are, everyone is a brand. Whether or not you like it or not, in today's world, you're a brand. And if people are going to do business with you because they know, like, and trust you, it's because you have a brand they associate with. So if you have a strong opinion about something that is not relevant to your brand, you're better off not saying it because you're going to offend. The more things you say that can offend people that will get attracted to your brand are things that you shouldn't say unless it is part of your brand. Does that make sense? Right.
0: Well, I I definitely hear where you're coming from, and I don't agree with you though, because I okay. think that that, you know, if you really look at everything as a brand and whatever you're representing or purport purporting to bring to other people as a brand, on you know on one level it can help you focus and you know in terms of who your market might be, etc. But I think the world would be a really sad place if that's all that anybody thinks about. And, you know, and if if somebody is like first amendment rights are going to be abrogated or infringed on. And look, I'm not, I'm not in favor of of purposely antagonizing anybody. I'm not into that and I never was, but I, you know, I, I think that's like a whole other issue as to whether if everything is just becomes a means to monetization then, you know, where's the love there? You know what I mean? Like, love and money oh, it, are related it, 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 on a certain right. level, but, you know, I think people should feel free enough to speak outside of their brand, as you say, because, you know, but, why, but not, I think, why, why but, not? But I think,
1: but you're assuming a brand is money, and a brand doesn't have to be money,
0: but it's... it's but it's a means to it, isn't it? It's a means to acquire it's money. It's a
1: means to be known,
0: liked, and trusted.
1: Your brand means to be known, liked, and
0: trusted. Presumably, the end result of being known, liked, and trusted is so that you are successful and you can make money, right? Uh, Well,
1: success is a number of different things. There are people who are very, very successful that never make money. So it's not just about money. But if you are, if you are, let's see. If you don't advocate women's rights and you personally, whether or not you're a male or a female, and you personally say something bad about women's rights, why should you ever, ever, ever get hired for a company that focuses on women's rights? And and the answer is you you shouldn't.
0: You know, I agree with you on that, and you know that's an even more touchy subject than politics is. You know, sexual uh, gender, gender uh, fluidity, gender roles. You know, which is in total uh, talk about a shift mode. I mean, you know, uh, that is definitely changing faster than you and I could talk. <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, people, yeah,
1: I can't say the know, word "me too" anymore. I, I had a great weekend. I did the following. I can't say "me too." I have to change my language. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, but, it, you know, it's,
1: so, so that's what I was the sort of
0: I No, I mean, this is what I was, you know, sort of hinting at that everyone is so touchy, you know, and and you know, it seems as though people seize on things that they don't agree with that goes outside of their agenda, and they seem to make a huge deal about it. And I'm not talking about when somebody makes an offensive joke a, a, about anybody. I'm not talking about that. But you know, I, I find that in my own interactions with people, you know, I live in a major metropolitan area and I deal with all kinds of people. And I've noticed uh, that everyone is just very thin skinned today, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think, I think one thing that people can do to help their brand and to help every other aspect of their life is to lighten up a little bit and not to take everything so seriously. Oh, you You and I
1: agree on that. I, I, I absolutely agree because, how do you be known like and trusted if you're mean and and completely get offended when people say things so i don't i'm agree i'm an agreement. Yeah. yeah and and you
0: know and, and you know we could get into you know the end result of all of this uh, but I think we're on the same page to the extent that you know we we want to help people to achieve you know their their highest self to self actualize and um, I want to get into in the few remaining minutes. I want to get into what do you think your responsibility is as a thought leader in the United States today? So my
1: seven-second pitch, my my pure responsibility is to empower experts, thought leaders, and companies to share their genius, and I view that as my as as my responsibility is how do I help other people who are in need share the genius that's inside of them in a way that's the most efficient for them personally.
0: That's what I do.
1: That's what I, that's what I live for.
0: Okay. And do you think about what the end result of their efforts are going to be and whether those efforts are actually going to help the society or not? Is that a factor that comes into play at all? The Efforts that
1: I focus on, is it's 100% based on the point of pain that any client I'm working with, that they are solving for their clients. So my job in terms of sharing somebody's genius is what problem do you solve? And, And you being the company or a thought leader or a expert, what problem do you solve for your clients? How do we make sure that the clients that, and prospects that need to see you in that light. How do we make mm-hmm. sure they see you in the best light possible? And so, yeah, I care okay. a lot about solving solving those problems. And in this case, it's how do we get how do we get the message out? How do we be known as a right, person so who I, can solve those I, problems for others?
0: Maybe I wasn't clear enough, but I was trying to say: do you, does do you ever in that equation, in terms of you know getting that message out of the client? how much do you consider what the client is really trying to do, you know, and the impact on society in that, Uh, you know, is that a consideration? How much do you consider it, et cetera? Oh,
1: it's it's an open-ended question that says, would I take on a client? So maybe we'll, how about we answer in a different way? I will never interact with or work with anyone who in any way shares hate to the world. Mm -hmm. So other than that, to me, that's just wrong in so many different ways. So if somebody comes to me and they have a book that's beyond glass half empty, right? That just talks about hate and bad things. We won't publish them. We won't work with them. Other than that, the gifts that we as humans have to share with others that we ultimately get paid for because we have an expertise that we help other people solve issues those gifts those those areas help solve mankind's issues whether or not it's directly one of those things that are in the newspaper or not if we're doing things which are helpful to other people by definition i think the answer is I'm always working with clients that are helping the greater good, but it may be so small, maybe a microcosm in some cases, that nobody sees it because in some cases right. you don't need to be a thought leader to the world. You just need to be a thought leader to the community that you serve, which could be a small community.
0: So in your dealing with these, uh, these different entities, what do you think is their main challenge right now today uh, in 2018?
1: The main, (laughs) you've led into the title of my my book and the title of my, it's a loaded question because it gives me the chance to say, I think their biggest challenge is what I wrote my book on, is what I did my TED Talk on. And, And in essence, if you just Googled being seen and being heard as a thought leader, to me, I think that's the biggest challenge that people are having today. How do they be seen? How do they be heard in today's world where it's not always clear? How do we let people know? who we are and how we're successful, right? The old days we'd take out a yellow page ad, right? Or, or take out a newspaper ad. Nowadays, it's like there's so much opportunity of things we can do to get our brand out there.
0: Right, right. And, you know, when you talk about brands, there are certain brands that seem almost, you know, beyond reproach and it almost doesn't matter uh, as far as the trust element goes. I mean, brands like Apple, you know, which have such a huge worldwide following. I mean, I've traveled all over the world and I see how addicted people are to smartphones all over the world. I mean, it is the prized possession, even if people can't afford but a my, lot of My friend, that was... They're going to have a smartphone. That, that was cultivated.
1: That was not... That's not... I mean, that's a calculated, cultivated, significant financial and integral... Uh, effort by the by the firm uh, you could right. have said the same thing 5 years ago you could have said the same thing about uber but then all of a sudden yeah. the ceo got booted for the company for doing for for having bad management practices with their employees so subsequent so it is as good of a brand is here's what the power of the internet has given there was enough consumer backlash on what the CEO had done that it caused a transformation of the company as a result. And you would have thought that brand was, I, in Silicon Valley, anyone in Silicon Valley would have thought that would never have happened until it did.
0: Right. Right. But, but still in all, I think people can get addicted to brands and, you know, you know, some people, uh, you know, like with the iPhone, you know, it, it, maybe five or ten years ago, it was Louis Vuitton bags. If you, if you would travel all over the world, people had Louis Vuitton bags as a status symbol. And and it, you know, it didn't matter the political affiliation of of that company in World War II. I don't think people even cared or knew about it. But that's what they wanted, you know. Uh, and today, mm-hmm. it's the the iPhone that people seem addicted to wherever you go. And yeah. Well, in the in the few remaining minutes, we could talk for a very long time about this. And to me, it's fascinating to see what gets people's attention, what turns them on, what turns them off. You know, in the business world, and this is what makes what you're doing so challenging and rewarding. I'm sure, isn't that right, Mitchell? <laughs> it's
1: it's the biggest question that I have when somebody comes to me is the the first question I have is okay, what is your customer and what are their points of pain? What do you solve for them? Okay. Next question. How big is your community? Right? So oftentimes if it's a one person shop and they say, Oh, I could solve people's problems in the world. I'll, so in the old days I might've said, "Uh uh-huh. And kept moving forward. Nowadays I go, well, no, you can't. You're a one person shop. Uh, You can only only solve a small number of people.
0: Right. Do you have any, uh, in the last remaining seconds, any message for our audience
1: that you'd like to give? Oh, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, Google my name, Mitchell Levy, and connect to me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, Snap, Pinterest, whatever platform you play on, and go to ahavat.com if you're interested in either writing your book or sharing content, because that platform is free to use, free to share, and there's 45,000 AHA messages you could share today for free. Right.
0: Well, Mitchell, thank you so much for being on Monergy Life. I'd like to uh, wish everyone a good evening. Mitchell, thank you for being on the show. Everyone have a really awesome evening, and we'll see you again very soon. Good night, everybody.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. Bye now.
0: Thank you. Bye.